This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Welcome to the Monday Night Raw review here on the WWE podcast. It is Tuesday, August 30th, 2022, and coming to you live from vacation. I'm actually in a in my in my car it's nine o'clock at night the kids are asleep and i'm sitting in my car doing this show for you guys while my wife i don't know if she's asleep or not i'm not sure but uh couldn't do the podcast in the room with the kids sleeping but here i am dedicated to covering monday night raw and we're gonna get into it and uh, we're gonna talk about it because it was a show that I thought still had some nice trademarks of Triple H continuing to move things forward from a creative standpoint, um, and also not just from a creative standpoint generally, but specifically for just putting in those little spices of different ways to do television. What do I mean by that? The way that they did the Riddle Seth interview with the sit down. I guess virtually for all members involved with Corey Graves, very well done. We'll talk about that, but specifically was also was the way that they showed the encounter between the two in the parking lot, almost as if a fan was watching and sending the footage. It just, Triple H is making me question if pro wrestling is real. <laughs> I mean, he's doing, uh, I'm being, of course, joking, uh, you know, just kind of being facetious, but He's doing such a good job right now with Riddle and Seth, making you think, like, wait, wait, do, do they really not like each other? Like, you know, and while I know that they are, I would imagine, friends behind the scenes, it does make you think, right? And, and I, I've been watching pro wrestling for 30 years, and I don't know. It's just something that is almost impossible to do at this stage. You would imagine Triple H is showing me that, nope, you can still believe. So, uh, but all right, we're going to dive into Monday Night Raw. The one thing I do want to say is that the mailbag is coming to you tomorrow or maybe Thursday with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Casual Wrestling Fan doing the emails. So I'll be doing the voicemails for the mailbag. I am Again, I'm on vacation this week, so I, I have my video show that I have to record tomorrow night, and I don't know if I'll have time for both shows on vacation in a car uh, with everything else going on. So I will at least get it to you. Thursday night. That is definitely something that I will uh, get to you as a in terms of timeline. But of course, we also no to no rest for the weary have a preview and prediction show, a full preview and prediction show for Clash at the Castle coming up as well. That is uh, going to be dropping probably sometime on Friday, or I may combine the mailbag and the preview and prediction show uh, as I'm thinking about it. It may be easier for me from a production standpoint and time management-wise to uh, to be able to just do that. So either way, the same content is coming to you, even if it's a day late, dollar short, or if 
we have to combine a couple of shows. I will do my darndest to uh, get that out to you guys. So also consider going ad-free at patreon.com slash WWE podcast if you want to go ad-free. All right. Well, Monday Night Raw. Here, here's one thing I want to talk about right at the beginning. And it's a it's usually a no-no subject. Usually a no-no subject, right? And it, it and it's not something that WWE did explicitly. And many of you are going to be like, oh, God, why does he talk about this? I'm not here to listen to it. But when it bleeds into wrestling, I have to talk about it. And that is a little bit of politics bled into wrestling Monday night. You want to believe it. You don't want to believe it. You think I'm overanalyzing it or not. It's a fact that it did. And politics bleeds into every facet of life, whether we want it to or not. Sometimes it's like a cancer. Uh, Other times it can be positive, you know, but most of the times you hear politics and it's a negative connotation. However, Monday night, if you're wondering what in the hell I'm talking about, I'm referring to Edge. And Edge has really been uh, very forthright, it seems, is it with his political views. And hey, everyone wants to have their political views. That's fine. Don't care. Everyone can have their own. That's cool, right? But when it gets into wrestling, I have an issue with it. Even if it was something I agree with or don't agree with, it doesn't belong or have a place in wrestling in my mind. So here's what I'm talking about. Edge comes out this week and he starts talking about his his wife and speaking to the Judgment Day and how his wife, somebody made the comment, I think Damian Priest made the comment that his wife wears the pants in the uh, in the household or in the family. And uh, you know, Edge came out and said that that Beth Beth and I both wear the pants that she's a badass woman and this is 2022. Are you a caveman? What this all refers to, if you're wondering how the hell does this have to do with politics? It does. You know, because here's what it has to do with it has to do with the feminist movement, and apparently Edge seems to be a male feminist here, where he believes that Beth could actually kick his ass. And if I have to hear one more time from Edge how much of a badass his wife is, I'm going to throw up. I'm not saying that women can't be powerful. Of course they can. I'm not saying that I have anything against women in any facet of life achieving anything they want. My point is that it's transparently obvious of Edge's political views being interjected into this storyline. And it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need it. doesn't have any place for it. He, I think Edge feels like he's being trendy, and he feels like, I think, that the majority of fans that are watching believe what he believes. Now, I'm not going to get into the dive t- totally into politics. That's not what I'm going to do. But I, my point is, it just has no place in there. It, it is a very political hot topic of that and like the women's rights, right? We all know what I'm talking about there. So he knows what he's doing there. And he felt pretty confident that he wouldn't get booed for saying it because, hey, how could anyone boo saying that women should be equal? Well, yeah, well, here, here's the thing. Sad to say, and not sad to say, just biologically, men and women are very different. Okay, that's why men's and women's sports are separate. Uh, Otherwise, there'd be no need for it. Um, 
And so anyway, it's almost as if Edge is like bowing down to his wife in a kind of beta, just cowardly way. It's weird. Like he's trying to put over his wife, but he does it to the point where he, you kind of know what he's getting at. And it's just cringy to me. I've no, like, I'm cool. Like I, I, I appreciate when people put over their spouses. You don't hear that too often. I think that's great. You lift up your spouse, you know, you make each other feel good. You, you speak kindly and you, you, you don't talk bad about them behind their back. Oh, that's wonderful. I just have an issue with this, with Edge. This isn't the first time either. Um, I remember when Miz and Maurice had uh, their match against Beth and Edge. This was also a, a narrative that Edge pushed too much. Just how badass his wife is and all oh, you'll... Feel. Stop. Stop it. Okay? Uh, and furthermore, if he is such of the belief that men and women are so equal physically... Why hasn't he retaliated against Rhea Ripley? I mean, come on, Edge. You, you, you're saying that, hey, Beth and, uh, Beth and Rhea are on equal footing as far as you're concerned. They're both badass women. So are we just supposed to, are you just supposed to take the lashings from them like a, like a, little, a good little boy? I have just so many issues with this. Um, and, and I know someone else is going to read this and so, talk, you know, try to take away some chauvinistic or uh, you know, some, some chauvinistic takeaway from this or that I'm furthering the, uh, the misogynistic view or control of the world or some kind of weird crap, right? Uh, let me be clear one more time and I promise I'll move on from this. I'm all for people putting over their spouses. I have no issue with, okay, no issue with women in any position at all in the world if whatever they want to do, that's cool. Uh, but I have an issue when someone's political views, and this is a political view, let's be clear, that's the whole point. When it bleeds into wrestling, I have a problem with it. Whether I agree with the view or I don't agree with the view, it has no place in wrestling. That is my issue. Wrestling focused. None of this belongs in wrestling is my issue. So, I know that some of you are probably like, dude, stop talking about politics, but it came to my front door. I didn't go out and get it, okay? So I just want to be very clear about that, and uh, yeah. So write all the misogynistic views you want. I'm sure that I'll, I'll get one or two, and I, I, I just, I don't know what I'll do. So, so you know, the, the podcast might shut down. Please don't. Uh, all right, so let's move on to something else here. I'm getting wild on vacation here, guys. Let's talk about something else that happened. Um, and actually, let's stay on the, the edge thing, but talk about a different element of this. Dominic and, and Ray coming to the aid of Edge was fine, but I was sad that they didn't leave Dominic out to further the possibility of Dominic going heel. However, later on in the night, there was an interview done, or a conversation rather recorded between Edge and Dom saying that Edge, Ray is choosing Edge to face the Judgment Day, but he still wants Dom at ringside. Why is that important? Because Dominic, if he turns, and I think it's actually going to happen, you are now going to see Dominic use this as part of his um, speech as to why he turned, <coughs> Excuse me, saying that you chose Edge over your own flesh and blood, Dad. You know, so having Ray choose Edge over Dominic, as innocent as it may seem, is a 
something is it's a piece being put into the puzzle of Dominic turning heel. Now, how many times have I said that? I feel like I'm on broken record. Um, all right, so that's just something I wanted to say about uh, that whole edge and the 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 uh, the Ray, Rhea Ripley and the Judgment Day and all that kind of that that whole segment. Okay, let's move on. So Riddle and Seth, Riddle and Seth right now are doing so well, and it's for a couple of reasons. One, as I mentioned at the top of the show, having Triple H in charge to make things feel a little fresher, just take a slight tweak or add a little bit of this or that to the rivalry in terms of production, the the camera angle in the parking lot, the way the interview was conducted from a production standpoint of having Corey Graves sit down in a, in a separate location at, and those two also in their own respective locations. The, just little things like that made a big difference. But secondly, it's Riddle's ability to turn from goofy, presumed pothead to this badass MFer that you know can go, has an endless gas tank, and is is going to go to war with Seth Rollins. Like, here is what the New Day should be. If the New Day, and I believe the New Day, have really, from a creative standpoint, capped themselves from achieving something that they, in other, they could have gone further than what they are because what they are right now is just joking team. They barely get serious. And then they, they just kind of cycle. There's this, this wheel that doesn't stop spinning. No matter what happens to them, they joke, ha, ha, everything's funny, make more jokes, make more pancakes, make more cereal, get beat up, you know, and then do the same. There was no real evolution no matter what happened to them. With Riddle, you kind of got the sense of goofy, you know, cannabis-loving guy, very much an RVD, younger RVD. That comparison was made uh, very well. And now he's showing a side that is appropriate to show given what happened to him and what Seth has done to him. That's evolution. That is evol- that, that's, that's progression. That is how you evolve and, and develop deep character layers. That you're not just this one-dimensional guy or gal that... It, it, no matter what happens, you know what kind of you know what you're going to get, right? Like you don't see anything progressing with them. So Riddle, I think, has done a nice job. Creative has done a nice job with him, and the intensity he showed in that interview with Seth was was awesome. The interview that he did was uh, it was intense. It felt real. It felt unplanned. It felt <clears throat> unscripted. So. Nice job all the way around with uh, with all men involved. And the whole bleeping of the F word, by the way, is nice. I don't want them to overdo it, but why not say it without saying it? You know, you, 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 could, you could bleep out the F word, but it makes it, it's a creative way to get that, ramp up the intensity with keeping it PG. It, it, it's a very clever trick. And I really like that. I really like that. And again, I don't want them to overuse it, where everyone starts cussing in their promos, pre-taped promos, where they have to blank out a word that you presume is the F word, because then, naturally, the more you see something, the less valuable it becomes. But here and there, I like that. I really do. 
So, all right, let's see here. Let's continue on. Bobby Lashley defeats The Miz via submission with the Hurt Lock, and this is this was not on Hulu for those that care. But uh, here's what happened for those maybe that missed it and didn't watch the things that didn't happen on Hulu. I'll read you the description. This is from CBS Sports. It said that The Miz was doing well when he was distracted by Dexter Loomis in the crowd. It allowed Lashley to finish him off. Earlier in the night, it was revealed that Loomis was arrested and then released after kidnapping The Miz last week because Miz refused to tell the police what happened. Later in the night, Miz was leaving the arena and Loomis popped up in the back seat of his SUV. So, Dexter Loomis on kind of a... a, a, a if those remember back in 02, the DDP Undertaker storyline, when DDP was stalking his wife, it, it feels a little bit like that, except Dexter Loomis is not targeting women. Obviously, he's targeting uh, the Miz for no apparent reason yet, but... This was uh, this was good. I thought it was effective. I I think that the Miz and Dexter Loomis is going to be, it's it's a fun little introduction program for those that don't understand who and what Dexter Loomis is. The Miz is a nice foil. The Miz is a guy that can take a loss. I mean, the Miz could lose every match the rest of his career, and I don't think it would hurt him because the Miz is already a made character. You you already know who and what the Miz is and is capable of. So Dexter Loomis being the guy that is being introduced with the Miz. And having that be his first program is totally fine with me. And it's, it, Dexter Loomis has got such a great look. If you guys have never seen Dexter Loomis, boy, oh boy, does he have an A-plus look. Same with Gunther and, you know, all these, a lot of guys coming up. Karrion Cross has got an excellent look. Boy, um, I'm really excited about the future right now of WWE. And it's amazing that they all had it right there at their fingertips and they let half of them go in a, uh, you know, a mass release, right? that Triple H was smart enough to say, uh-uh, we're bringing this guy back, or guys back. All right, let's see. The Street Profits defeated the Alpha Academy when Montez hit Chad Gable with a frog splash. The match happened after the Alpha Academy interrupted Kurt Angle in his promo. Angle refused to join the, uh, the Alpha Academy, and then the match was held with the stipulation that he would have to join the Alpha Academy if the Alpha Academy beat the Street Profits. Well, the Alpha Academy did not beat the Street Profits. You could have actually bet your entire home and livelihood on this matchup. Why? Because do you think Kurt Angle is back for a long period of time? No. Okay? The answer is, of course not. He's there because it's in his hometown. He gets the hometown hometown hero welcome, and that's wonderful. I'm, I'm happy for Kurt. You know, you know. I actually have, I have some really positive thoughts to say about Kurt Monday night. Number one, the guy is what fifty something, and he looks like that. Like, oh my! Like Kurt Angle is just—he will forever just be a badass. Now, he may be calloused up and he can't move in the ring that well anymore. I'm not saying he should have another match. But, uh, boy, if, I, if, you look, if, if you told me that this is Kurt Angle from, like, you know, if you, five years ago, you, you showed me a photo of today and you said, this is Kurt Angle in five years. Do you think he can still wrestle? I'd say, yeah, let's do it. The guy is in amazing shape. Now, you know, do I want him to have another match? No. Would I have liked to have seen an angle slam or an ankle lock? Yes. 
I would have. I was kind of disappointed he didn't do anything. Uh, that that I was a bit disappointed about. There must be a reason for that health, medical, no clearance from doc. I mean, who knows? But I was hoping we'd get an ankle lock on, you know, uh, on Chad Gable or something, and we didn't. But it was still fun to see Kurt. Uh, I think he got new teeth. <laughs> Everyone's taking, like, the Roman Reigns approach. He got, I don't know, veneers or something. I didn't even think his teeth were that screwed up. I saw him smile, and I'm like, does he have, is it, does he have something in his, like, what is that? Are those false teeth? Like, I'm not sure what's going on there. Like, I had to do a double take. Kind of like when Roman re-debuted exactly two years ago and won the uh, Universal title during the COVID era. I said, oh, my God, you know, what's going on with the teeth? Now, Roman had teeth that you could argue probably needed if you you know wanted to go that road had a bigger had a larger case to be made for veneers than did kurt who i didn't think had teeth that were all that you know screaming for help but um anyway so the the outside of that though you know kurt did a couple of backstage comedy segments or one of them anyway with uh, edge and the whole sign thing of when you know everybody remembers that when edge put it on the back of the sign you suck or whatever uh, Kurt said to uh, I said to Edge, "I'm not going to fall for that." And then every sign beyond the first one had stuff written on the back of it. Little, you know, childish stuff, but it, it's just a nostalgic kick. You know, I, I didn't hate it. Kurt's not that great of an actor, though. <laughs> to say he's he's a little bit rusty around the edges there. But uh, the the only negative I would say about Kurt, and this has nothing to do with him personally, it's just the creative on it was the the screaming shoosh match with Chad Gable. Come on. That's above Kurt. Are we really going to get into that? The crowd didn't react at all. So that should have been the message to, to Triple H of, yeah, that was a swing and a miss. We don't need that. We did not need that. It was silly. It's the entertainment part that I don't like. Uh, that that's just It's a shot at comedy that didn't work. And comedy is extremely difficult to do. And back in the day, Kurt had a knack for it at the same time being a gold medalist. It was an incredible combination. But this just didn't work. This this you know, did not work at all. So that's the one bad part of it was the whole shoosh, 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 you shoosh. You know, like the back and forth, like childish crap I didn't like. But outside of that, I mean, it's nice to see Kurt Angle. Um, you know, you wonder what he was out there to say, first of all. I guess he was out there just to be a... Uh, an infomercial for the the uh, Clash of the Castle event coming up on Saturday. That's essentially what it seemed like it was. I don't know. It seemed like he was just out there to fill some time, and Triple H was like, "I don't know. Say anything you want. Talk about Clash of the Castle." You know, I I don't know. I, I'm I'm splitting hairs here. Overall, cool to see Kurt Angle. No problem there. By the way, shameless plug for A and E's biography on Kurt Angle. So well done. If you if you want a refresher, or even if you think that you're a hardcore fan, but you want to know a little bit more about Kurt or want to test your knowledge about Kurt, go watch that documentary. It's well done. It's sad, but it's inspiring. His addiction to pain pills, I don't think I fully even understood how severe it was. It was so severe that you know, he nearly died. He was, he said at one point he did like, I don't know, it was like 30 in a day or something, 30 of those somas in a day. 
just totally vegging himself out, missing out on his time with his kids. His wife nearly divorced him. Uh, you know, just so much stuff. I mean, I don't want to spoil it if you want to watch it. The one takeaway, though, I will say, so spoiler alert, okay, you've been warned. The worst thing that he said about all of this physically, not emotionally, but physically, was the withdrawal. When he finally went and got rehab and all that, the, the, um, for an Olympic gold medalist who did amateur wrestling, which is one of the most difficult sports you can possibly do from a physical and a, a mental standpoint. Anybody that doesn't think so, I know that amateur wrestling doesn't get a whole lot of uh, doesn't get a whole lot of press. It's never in the headlines. It's not the sexy sport, so to speak, right? What's in the Olympics is what's sexy is figure skating and you know track and field and you know that kind of thing. I understand what the sexy sports are in in uh, the Olympics and amateur wrestling is often overlooked. But it is still, if anybody doesn't believe me, I mean, anybody that's done amateur wrestling, even on a, you know, uh, an amateur, um, well, not an amateur, but in, on a middle school or high school level, which I did, well, only a little bit in high school, but I did it for a couple of years, even in middle school, it is the most exhausting thing you can possibly do. I have so much respect for anyone that can do amateur wrestling. It will blow you up if you are untrained. Even if you think you're an athlete, but you haven't trained to be... A, like if, if you get in a wrestling match with somebody, like an actual, not punching and kicking, but an amateur wrestling match with someone, you will blow up in, a, in like a, under a minute. It is just... If you don't believe me, just try it, right? Even if you're just fooling around with somebody, brother or sister... How quickly do you get exhausted and out of breath when you're just doing that? Imagine doing it on an elite level with somebody who's actually trying to take you down, who's your weight class. It, it guys, I just it, it's it's unbelievable, and the training that has to go into it, the cardiovascular uh, uh, element of it, is absolutely uh, just otherworldly. So my whole point about putting over amateur wrestling is that Kurt Angle, I have so much respect for what he could do at that level. Um, and obviously what he did in, in WWE, but for him, for an Olympic gold medalist who went through all that hell to say that out of everything he's ever done, the withdrawal from the pills was the worst makes me never, ever want to even consider ever, not that I have, but even if I had a dark time in my life to ever go to that for somebody like that. I mean, he said he would, he, he actually wished he would die. That's what he said in the, in the, in the biography. And I believe him. So, I mean, I luckily have not had the uh, the unfortunate event of having to go through withdrawal from anything, uh, from a from a drug standpoint, anyway. But anyway, I went off the deep end on that. Go check out the documentary, guys. I, I, really, with the rest of them as well. There's one on, uh, I think, Mr. Perfect, Edge. There's one um, Undertaker. It's just a great series, guys. So, really recommend it. All right, what else? Bianca Belair, Alexa, and Asuka take out three enhancement talents. Asuka forces submission with the Asuka lock, and then after the match, they cut a promo on Bailey, uh, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky. And it was not good. Alexa said, like, you know, two words. It felt very rehearsed, sorry to say. It wasn't meant to be an A plus promo, but I also don't want to hear a promo that, I, that just also sounds like it was. 
they're literally having a piece of paper in front of their hands. It, it felt kind of like that. It's just nothing against these three women, you know, absolutely not. I mean, both or all three are uh, outstanding wrestlers, but I didn't like the way it came off with Alexa saying her four words and then kind of waiting for her, giving uh, Bianca her cue to say, okay, your, your turn, quick, 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 your part, right? It just, it wasn't fun. It was just generic. They had to get on the mic and say something. And it was something about, uh-uh, girl, we're going to take control or something about taking control. It was extremely forgettable. But that said, I'm really looking forward to that match. Very much so. Very much. That just because it's going to, number one, give a give a place for Io Sky and Dakota Kai to showcase what WWE let go and give Triple H, uh, you know, some... Um, some just just a place to show the fans and everyone who doubted why they brought any of them back what they can do in the ring and why he did bring them back and also it's a another step towards Bianca versus Bailey for the women's championship the raw women's championship that I'd imagine we're going to get match number 1 at extreme rules next month so it's going to be fun and the crowd is going to be super loud and I can't wait for that so and if they're not like I've been hyping up the crowd if the crowd is just like kind of your generic wrestling crowd for like a Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, I'm going to be very disappointed, okay? Like I'm putting over the crowd before I even hear them. That's how high my expectations are. All right. Uh, let's see here. So we also got Kevin Owens. My God, is he a shining light of Raw? Because you never know what the hell he's going to do, number one. He's been all over the place with Drew and others. But every time he comes out, He's just like Kevin Owens. He doesn't. He's like Kevin Owens with the, with the muzzle off, and it's awesome. Really cool. I'm a huge Kevin Owens fan. Whether he's heel or face, I'm not just saying yay go Kevin because he's babyface. No, 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 no. Kevin Owens in any version, especially heel, but babyface works too, is a lot of fun to listen to. He just feels like he's being himself. I feel like it's ninety percent of who that who he actually is as a person when the camera's off. And so he comes out, he confronts the bloodline with Sami Zayn. Now, Roman Reigns is not there, but that's to be expected. So it was just Jimmy J and Sami. And Kevin Owens comes out and seems to be genuinely concerned for Sami. Kevin Owens comes out and just says that, you know what happened to you, man? You used to be one of the most elite wrestlers in the company. I think he said performers, but sure. And the crowd popped for that a little bit. It's kind of like, yeah, Sammy, what the hell happened? And you could see the doubt in Sammy's eyes. And he even, if you noticed, very subtly, looked kind of to the left and to the right to cue the audience, not just to, to react to him, but just to kind of maybe as a message of like, you know, how, how are the fans going to react here? How, how are, do they agree with this? Like, you know, very subtle thing, but important and you could see the doubt and the, the the gears turning in Sammy's mind of, yeah, you, you, Kevin, you, you're absolutely right. But look, I have to play the part right now. I'm with the I'm with the cool crowd, right? I'm with the the jocks, you know. And so Sammy has to kind of play his part at the same time, not trying to hurt his friend Kevin Owens. It's a fine line that he's walking. And I know they've had their battles in the past, and I hope this isn't another setup for one of them to turn on the other. Although it probably is at some point in the next year if they get back together. But this whole thing to me with Jimmy and uh, 
or rather Jay versus Kevin that happened was it was a good match. My God, the uh, the the the, son, the Sinton, not Swanton. They call it Swanton that Kevin Owens does off the top rope. Nails it perfectly every time. A guy that size should not be able to do that. Um, just good stuff there. And when the referee's back was turned, they told Sammy to get a chair and to hit Kevin Owens, and he didn't do it. He hesitated. And his plausible deniability is probably going to be, well, I didn't know if the ref was going to turn around in time, then you would have got DQ'd. Or maybe I didn't want to risk, since your head was so close to Kevin's, I didn't want to risk hitting Jay, right? So Sammy, in his kind of sniveling ways, will find an excuse to give the bloodline on Friday as to why he didn't do what they told him to do to hit Kevin Owens with the chair. So it's going to be a fun... Here's the whole breakdown of this. Now, Kevin Owens wins with a stunner after that, and then the bloodline's even more incensed with Sammy not doing his job. But the whole story, I think, is going to be this. Kevin and Sammy are getting back together. They could absolutely be a tag team together, and they will be a babyface tag team together, which is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. And it'll set up for the Usos versus Kevin and Sammy with Kevin and Sammy likely taking them out for the tag team titles, which will then also lead to Roman Reigns probably dropping one or two or two of his belts. So the bloodline is close to collapsing in terms of championship gold. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's clearly setting up for this. Now, do I think Kevin is eventually going to get you know, a championship match? Probably. But Seth declared on Raw again that after he's done with Riddle on Saturday, he's focusing solely on the Universal uh, Undisputed Universal Championship. So Seth seems to be targeting Roman if he's still champion or Drew. You know, so we'll have to see where that goes. But uh, Kevin right now is likely going to be locked in with Sammy for this uh, for this. Undisputed Tag Team Championship match with Sammy and himself versus the Usos. But it's going to be a fun journey in seeing how they get there, how long Sammy can survive you know, playing the game on both sides while looking like he's really working for the Usos and the Bloodline, but really he's trying to save his friend Kevin Owens. Like It's going to be a fun thing to see and watch, but I think it's true that Sammy has been a guy that, while he's been funny and he was the he was the conspiracy, he was the theorist. And remember, he brought out an electric chair at one point and said AEW. And ever since then, like literally, his career took a nosedive, ironically. But I think this is a good thing for Sammy, who is going to get back into the limelight, bring back his old theme music. Him and Kevin are going to be a lot of fun to watch backstage. Their chemistry is is otherworldly because they are best friends in real life. So I think that's what's going to happen. I can't foresee this being Kevin versus Sammy Owens, uh, Sammy Owens, Kevin Owens versus Sammy Zayn in a one-on-one match, anything like that. We've been there and done that. It just doesn't make sense. So I think that's where they're going. They're setting up for the Usos to drop those belts, and they're going to drop them to Sammy and Kevin, I hope. So when that happens, they could string this out. Triple H is a guy that is a long... Uh, kind of a long story arc guy. He's a slow burn guy. So those that are used to the, to the Vince McMahon way of doing things of hot shotting may be disappointed when this takes you know longer than expected. But I think those that are not used to long term storytelling 
once you are introduced to it, will appreciate it and enjoy it much more than hot shotting, which is what a lot of Vince did towards the end of his run. So, is that it? Do I dare say that's it? Maybe. I think that might be it. Um, so, oh, we had we did get uh, a theory interview, I think, about Johnny Gargano. Johnny, it's been a week since you returned to WWE. How's it feel? Last Monday meant everything to me. To hear that reaction, to hear the Johnny wrestling chants again, <laughs> gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Because Johnny wrestling isn't just a fun nickname. Wrestling's my life. And wrestling has been out of my life for nine months. The longest time I haven't been in a ring since I was eight years old. So I'm excited to get back into arenas like this and do what I believe I was put on this planet to do. Theory didn't ruin it for you? No, honestly, I was excited to see him. Say what you want about that kid, but he's like family to me. And I've sat back and I've watched him and I'm, I'm happy for all his success. And it doesn't surprise me because he has every genetic gift I don't have. That's why we were together in NXT. But success affects everybody a little bit differently and you're a different kind of winner when you start from the bottom. In theory, given those gifts and given who he knows, you know, he hasn't had to start from the bottom. But I haven't seen or heard from him in nine months. He didn't even call when the baby was born, oh, so I don't even know. You want to talk about a call? Hey, hey, easy. I just want to talk. Have a seat. You're the one that kicked me. Have a seat. We're good. Look, we're good. We're good. I just have a question for you. Oh, you got a question? For Maybe you? a few. What do you got? Why didn't you call me when I became the United States champion? Or how about when I became the youngest Mr. Money in the Bank? I mean, we were a little busy, man. You know this. You uh, know what we were going through. We had the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse after yeah, excuse, okay. huh? You had baby wrestling. Yeah, you had to feed him. You had to change his diapers. Yeah, it all sounds like work, excuses yeah. to me. It does. But maybe you didn't call me because you were just a little bit jealous. You were sitting on the couch playing stay-at-home dad, and you were watching me compete at WrestleMania. You were watching me become the youngest Mr. Money in the Bank. And I know that gets under your skin. But honestly, from my perspective, I expected better from you. But I guess what they say is true. It's lonely at the top. But welcome to Raw. And you know what? Good luck. Because you're swimming with sharks now. <laughs> you're swimming with sharks. All right. Well, that is something uh, I did not see. <laughs> I actually I hit play on my laptop here, which I, it actually probably sounded really good, right? Because it was playing through my speakers, and I'm actually using my mic on my uh, MacBook to record this. I'm not using my normal microphone. So that worked out pretty well. Maybe I'll use this more in the future. That, that probably sounded really good, <laughs> more than normal when we just, you know, we have our uh, audio from wrestling that we're watching. We're trying to have it, you know, play along with you guys. This sounded probably pretty good. Anyway, that was a nice interaction between Johnny Gargano. This was a digital exclusive, by the way. That was not part of Raw. I just was looking through the Twitter feed of WWE and that popped up and we didn't see it. So it looks like Johnny Gargano or Gargano and... Austin Theory, or just Theory now, are going to have a program. I mean, that's that's clearly what's going to happen. And I'm all for it. This is going to be a program that you know what you're going to get, like, five-star matches on a, night, a weekly basis. But I, I also see a storyline coming here. Like, this isn't just like, hey, we know these guys can go really good together. They're going to put a five-star match physically. But what about the story? Why are they doing this? And we're getting it. Jealousy. They used to be a team. 
They haven't contacted each other. He, one had a baby. The other one thinks he's jealous. And he's making excuses. Like, they're building. Even for little, I don't want to say little, even for feuds that aren't at the top of the card, WWE Triple H seems to be doing a nice job doing character development, even for those that aren't uh, aren't featured at the very top of the game here. So, um, but I think that's it. Do I have any more cool audio for you guys? I don't think so. So sorry to disappoint. But new women's tag team champions. Of course, we've got uh, Edge going a little bit political. We've got Dominic with something to now sink his teeth into and a reason for him to turn heel and uh, everything else that we covered on Monday Night Raw as well. And I feel like I'm missing one thing. Oh, Damian Priest and Finn Balor defeated Dolph Ziggler and AJ Styles via pinfall. That was with Ziggler, uh, where Priest hit Ziggler with South of Heaven, i.e. kind of a sit-down choke slam. I guess that's what it is. But that's how they won. So AJ Styles and Ziggler were beaten by the, uh, the Judgment Day. Which, of course, brought out Edge, and that's what I went on my my open about, my rant about the, the political crap being involved in wrestling. So, uh, that covers it for me, I think, guys. And we have, again, a long week ahead of us with Clash of the Castle on Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Very bizarre time. I don't know if I'll be able to watch it live. But... A preview and prediction show coming. I've got the uh, mailbag coming, Mr. and Mrs. Casual Wrestling Fan. So don't forget about that. And I've got a uh, an hour-long show to record. Video for the DuPont Network. Go to DuPontNow.com, sign up, 100% free, and you can watch all of my shows on demand uh, right on the website. So, Or you can just tune in for free live on Saturdays at 8 p.m. Okay, everybody. That does it for me tonight, live from my car at an undisclosed location on vacation. I'm signing off. Everybody, take care, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.